You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. that by his life, his biography, a brief biography that we have in the book of Acts that, uh, of course, we know Stephen died uh, because of his faith and commitment. But we see certain things taking place. We're seeing a shift in the book of Acts take place. Uh, we see Saul, not a see Saul, but we see the person Saul that's there uh, that uh, as he, he is actually approving the death of Stephen. He approves the casting out of Christians in Jerusalem. And here in a couple of weeks, uh, we're, we're going to take a look at Philip, not, not our own Philip, but, uh, but like, like our own Philip, this man was a full of faith, uh, a great proclaimer of God's word. We're going to look at Philip next week. Uh, we're also going to look, actually a couple of weeks from now, we're going to look, look at this guy named Simon, a sorcerer. All that leads to the wonderful and marvelous salvation experience that Paul otherwise known as Saul, has, and we'll be looking at that here in a couple of weeks, and then things are going to shift as we're going to see dramatically in the book of Acts as we look at the expansion of the church and see what takes place from there. But everyone who has your copy of God's Word, we want to ask that you uh, please stand in honor of the reading and hearing of God's precious Holy Word. Today, we're going to talk about courage. Courage under fire. You know, it doesn't take a lot of courage for us to proclaim the name of Jesus when we are among fellow Christians, fellow believers. But it, because we all are of like mind, we're, one, we're a family. That's, in fact, uh, hopefully in the next few weeks I'll be talking about some interesting things that I learned about uh, how intrinsic our family is, our relationship is with one another and to God. Um, I, I better save that or I'm going to get to preaching a message on that. That's not what the message is about. But uh, we are a family. But obviously, it doesn't take a lot of courage to preach the name of Jesus when you're with other fellow believers. But it does when you're in the minority. 
It does when you're the only voice proclaiming Jesus. Maybe you're at a place of employment, or maybe you're the only Christian around, uh, or maybe you're in a place of, uh, you're, you're in situations where you're in the minority with your faith. It takes courage to proclaim and hold to the message of Jesus when you're in the minority, when you're the only voice proclaiming that. So let's take a look at this, Courage Under Fire, verses 1 through 8. Now Saul was consenting to his death. This is, of course, looking back to chapter 7, to Stephen the martyr. We see that he is martyred. He sees Jesus uh, as, as he's being stoned to death. He prays for his accusers, uh, just as Jesus did on the cross. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. So here at this time, the church we see was centered in and around Jerusalem. Uh, that's where the hub of Christianity began. There in the very place where Jesus was crucified, where he died, was buried and resurrected. Okay, and so this is the main hub of Christianity. There were other pockets perhaps, but this was the main hub. So they were, they were in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles and perhaps a few others along with the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc. Now this is the same guy who would later become the Apostle Paul. Look what he is like before he receives Christ. He makes havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. He was going in houses, taking Christians from their homes, throwing them in prison. He had even consented to the death of Stephen. Paul was on, was, was on track of being one of the chief Pharisees of the day and time. He was under the leadership of Gamaliel. I mean, he had an in-track thing. He, he was a man of great influence. So he is throwing Christians in prison. Therefore, in verse 4, those who were scattered... Now listen, this is just like the devil. The devil, he doesn't have the foresight that, that Jesus has, that God has. He thinks, well, I'm going to persecute these Christians. I'm going to scatter them all around, and that way the church won't grow. Well, what he meant for evil, God allowed for good. Look what happens here. The, uh, the, the, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. <laughs> the old devil, he wasn't very smart in this. You see, because now because the scattering that took place, the word of God was heard by more people than it would have been if the scattering hadn't, take, hadn't taken place. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. We just ask, Lord, that you would be with us. Allow me to simply be your microphone, speaking forth your truths this morning. Allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken and hold back the words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This past week was the first intensive I had at Liberty. And one of the things I had heard going up to Liberty University, and if you ever visit the university, you need to know this. Their police department is very aggressive with parking. 
You need to make sure the first place you go, if you visit Liberty University, go to Hancock Welcome Center and get a day pass because if you park in a place from 8 to 4 where you're not supposed to park, you will be towed. <laughs> Simply put. And I heard this going up there and I thought, and I told the, the lady I first spoke with up there, I said, I have two goals this week. One is to do the very best I can in my course. And number two is not get towed. As long as those two things happen, I'll be happy with this week. Well, some of my classmates, they had more courage than I did. They realized that after 4 o'clock, they don't tow, and so they started parking around the different areas of campus. Well, I wasn't that brave because, like I said, I didn't want to get towed. <laughs> I want to make sure of that. And so I started asking different people, making sure if after 4 you can park anywhere you want, if that's okay. And then they said, well, yeah, you can do that. But it wasn't until I heard from an official person. I wanted to make sure that I heard from an official person that this was the case, that after 4 o'clock you wouldn't be towed. Sure enough, they said, after 4, you're fine. And so guess what? I parked somewhere else, and I didn't get towed. Thank the Lord. I didn't get towed for that. But you see, I had to hear something from an official person before I finally had the courage to test it out to see whether or not it was true. Beloved, when we understand that what we have in our hands is the revelation of God given to us from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, we can have courage to face uncertain times. We can have courage to face any of life's circumstances. Now, a lot of people proclaim lies. They say, and I'm sure you've heard this, that when you become a Christian, everything will be fantastic and that you won't have any problems whatsoever. Well, yes, when you become a Christian, things do become fantastic as you have that personal relationship with Christ. But understand, that doesn't mean everything's going to work out well, does it? Because when you become a Christian, understand, you may face a little more difficulties in life than you had as an unbeliever. And here's why. Because Jesus says, if you are for me, the world is going to be against you. And many times when you go out in the workplace, when you go out in society, you may find that you're one of the very few voices proclaiming the name of Christ. And I don't know about you, I think it's human nature. We like to be around individuals like us, don't we? You know, we like to be around individuals like us. We kind of, we kind of as human beings, we, we go to those who are most like us. But when we find ourselves in the minority, it's a little uncomfortable. It takes a lot of courage to continue to stand for your convictions when you are all by yourself. But understand by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to be courageous, to stand for the gospel of Christ, no matter if we find ourselves in the majority or if we find ourselves in the minority of, of, of the world. After Stephen's death, we see that persecution increased for the Christians there in Jerusalem. And this, this, this persecution was intense. We see that Paul, who was then known as Saul, went into the homes of these individuals. They went into the homes. Can you imagine? Picture yourself being in first century Jerusalem. You're sitting there. Maybe you're talking about Jesus. And before you know it, someone comes in, kicks down the door. And there's being led by Saul, kicks down the door, grabs you and your loved ones, your little children, and escorts you off to jail. Just simply because you proclaim the name of Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and Savior. I was talking to Janice just a few moments ago, and we were talking about uh, some things I'm going to mention to you in this message today. And she said, you know, those things could eventually come here. We're not promised that they won't. Because uh, understand, beloved, if you take a stand for Christ, there are going to be individuals out there who are going to be against you. But despite the threats waged against them, the church not only stayed committed to Jesus... <laughs> 
They listened to Monday Night Football. Now, <laughs> they not only committed to Jesus, but they continued. They flourished. They multiplied. They increased by, 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 despite what anyone ever thought. We see that they had courage under fire for three reasons. One, they had courage to care despite being cursed. They had courage to call despite being condemned. And they had courage to continue despite being crushed. The first thing we see is they had the courage to care despite being cursed. Now, before the conversion of Paul, we see, and this is what's going to set up this big story that we're going to read here in a few weeks, when Saul is on his way to persecute the church even more intensely, and then he sees the very one whom he's persecuting, the risen Lord Jesus. We're going to see that here in a few weeks. But we see Saul, in verse 1, was consenting to, to Stephen's death. So, in other words... Saul was a very influential man. He, had been, he was on track. He, was, he had the best teacher, one of the best teachers of that day and time, Gamaliel, which we've already seen in the book of Acts. He was on track to be one of the chief Pharisees of, the day and time, of that day and time. You know, that, would, that would have meant he had had a lot of prominence in society. You know, he would have had a lot of prominence, and uh, he, had a lot of, uh, uh, rep- he had a good reputation. And so because his consenting to Stephen's death, we see that, at that time, most likely at the same day, from that point moving forward, there was a persecution that arose against the church at Jerusalem. And notice that Saul was in favor of this, and because Saul was in favor of this, the church was scattered from throughout Jerusalem, throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and perhaps a few others along with them. But notice verse 2. Now all this persecution was taking place. They had just seen Stephen, one of their beloved brothers, killed in the most vicious of fashions you can imagine by being stoned. That means literally they put him off to a place and they all picked up these biggest rocks they could find and beat him until he breathed no longer. They, they, they would throw it at his face, they would throw it at his arms, they would throw it all over his body until he breathed no longer. That's what stoning is. But look what happened. Now, it would be easy for the individuals, once all of this persecution is breaking forth, to say, well, we're going to shun Stephen, we're going to just go our separate ways and and not worry about giving him a proper burial. But look what happens in verse 2. This takes a lot of courage. Devout men carried Stephen. They went back to the place of his execution. They picked up Stephen and, and gave him a proper burial, and they lamented over him. They lamented over him. It takes a lot of courage to care for individuals, to, for the very individuals, uh, maybe in, in, in your church, whenever you're being threatened, and maybe people are saying, well, you need to curse your brothers and sisters, you need to curse the name of Christ. When they're cursing you, it takes great courage to continue to care despite, despite the situations that are taking place around you. We see that Stephen himself... Back in chapter 7, that he prayed for the very individuals. He cared for the very individuals that were killing him. Jesus did the same. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He cared for the very individuals that killed him. As I mentioned, and I'm not going to mention her name, um, but because uh, I don't want to, in case it were to get out, I don't want, don't want her family to be threatened. But there was a, there's a lady I met this past week that just completely amazed me to hear her testimony it it was a lady she's a christian from syria and as you know if you read the news there's a massive mess going on in syria 
She still has family members uh, in Syria that are being threatened because they are Christians living in that hostile area. But you know, she, she, her ministry is something that is absolutely phenomenal. You know what her ministry is, what she's desiring to do? She wants to reach out to those individuals who are persecuting her people. She's wanting to reach out to those individuals and share with them the message of Christ so that they could hear about Jesus Christ, they would be transformed by the love and grace of Jesus. She is caring for the very individuals, caring for the souls of the very individuals who are destroying her homeland and who are destroying her people. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If, if that were to happen to me, I don't know that I could have that type of compassion in my life. Now, of course, through the Holy Spirit, we can do things through the Holy Spirit that we never think that we would imagine uh, that, we, that we could do through the power of the Holy Spirit. But her example there shows us the need for us not to curse those who curse us, but to honestly pray for those who harm us. Pray for those individuals who may speak bad against us. Jesus even tells us this much in Matthew 5, verse 44 through 45. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Jesus didn't just say this. He did it, did he not? Whenever he was being crucified, his hands were being crucified to those wooden beams. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, the difference is, a lot of times, I am guilty. I'm speaking more to myself probably than anyone else in this place today. A lot of times, we get focused on what's happening in our lives we get focused on what's taking place with our own selves, and we forget about the main primary mission that we have, and that is the kingdom of God. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen? We forget that the main mission is not over politics. The main mission is about being a citizen of the kingdom of God and letting people know that there is grace out there, there is love out there, that God seeks to save the lost. He didn't come for the healthy, Jesus tells us. He came for the sick so that he could bring healing to those who were sick in their sins. So when people call us names, when people are ugly to us, what we need to do is instead of striking back, instead of seeking ways for vengeance, we need to pray for those individuals. Because I'm going to tell you something here today. I've learned very quickly, you can't change anybody, amen? I can't change anybody. I, you know, I've, I've had people in my life, I've had... I'm not going to mention anybody, not here, <laughs> not here. But I've had family members that I just would want them to seek the Lord. I have lost family members. I have family members, I would want them to seek the Lord. I would want them to know the Lord. And sometimes I feel like shaking them. So would you just please take the Lord, accept him? You know, just, you know every, a lot of things in their life would be a lot better if they would just simply humble themselves and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of the stupid mistakes they make could be solved if they would simply do that. But no matter how much I tell them that, it's not going to change anything until they, until God moves in their hearts and they receive the Holy Spirit. They receive the salvation that God grants them to them. See, we can't change anybody, but God can. And so when we pray for an individual, I'll tell you what's happening. We're asking for God to intervene in that person's life, for God to do what it takes to work in that person's life, to transform that person. And when you do that, beloved, God will answer those prayers in due time. Now, I don't know whether those lost family members of mine will ever receive the Lord, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop praying for them. Amen? Maybe you have lost family members and keep praying. 
You know, see, you know, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. Those words doesn't, don't mean just a one-time event. It's a continual process that you continue to pray for those individuals and God will answer in due time. Also, we're, we're also often tempted when things go bad, that we want to be kept from doing good. But Paul tells us, Paul, after he's transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ, tells us, don't let the bad things in life keep you from doing good for the Lord. My goodness, I've got to move on. Number two. We have the courage to call despite being condemned. In verse 3, Paul made great havoc for the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now, that verse in and of itself doesn't tell us a whole lot, but when we understand the fact in verse 4 that those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Those who were scattered, the individuals in prison had been scattered away from their homes, so we have to assume that they were in the jail cells preaching the name of Christ, even in prison. We have to see also in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, that Paul himself, after he's saved by the grace of God, he and Silas are arrested and put in a jail cell, and they're singing praises to Christ. I had to stop and think about this. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, Paul had learned that from the Christians that he himself had imprisoned. Maybe he was looking back at the dedication and devotion of those early Christians, those early men and women of Christ that he had placed in a jail cell. Perhaps they were singing praises. Perhaps they were sharing the gospel of Christ even in the midst of being imprisoned. Beloved, they were praising God, I believe, and they, they, uh, they were giving Christ exaltation even despite the fact that they had been condemned. Speaking of Liberty University, there's a testimony I discovered a few months ago about this university. One, one thing, I'm going to tell you, if you have kids, you want to send them to a Christian university, I don't mind telling you, you need to send them there. I found out this past week, they have prayer teams. They have a prayer community where they have prayer teams where someone is praying 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, there's someone praying for the students, for the community, for God's kingdom to be exalted. Uh, there's someone praying at all times at that place, and that is, to me, absolutely phenomenal. But did you know that Liberty University almost was not? Jerry Falwell had a vision that he, his vision was he wanted, he had been accepted to Notre Dame. And he, he had been accepted to Notre Dame, and he actually went to a, a seminary instead because he placed first the kingdom of God. He was wanting to share the gospel message. But he had a dream, he had a vision that God had given him to have a university where people could come, where, where their Christian faith wouldn't be condemned, and they could learn all different types of things to go out and make a difference in the world, to become, as the slogan says, a champion for Christ. But in the late 70s and early 80s, the university almost had to close because of uh, the different problems they had going on. And in fact, the one building they had at that time was scheduled for demolition. And you know what they did? For two hours, one February, in the snow, they prayed. They simply prayed that God would move and make some way possible for them to be able to continue. And now... Let me tell you, having gone there, I think they have over 9,000 acres, if I'm not mistaken. What happened? God intervened. God intervened. And what I'm simply trying to tell you, beloved, is this. If everything seems lost in your life, if everything seems, going hay seems to be going haywire, don't give up. Get on your knees, because God, by the way, answers knee mail. Amen? He answers the prayers of His children. 
Go to the Lord, pray. Go to the Lord, seek His face. And I guarantee you, He will be there with you and He'll provide a way when it seems that all ways are lost. He'll be there with you. Call upon the Lord when you face the most severe of difficulties. God will grant you strength to endure the most oppressed times of life. Number three, we can also have the courage to continue despite being crushed. Now look what happens. It would be very easy... For the early church, as Paul is leading this campaign against them, it would be very easy for them to throw up their hands and say, I quit. Amen? And I want to tell you, there, there, there are no two other words where Satan gets the victory in a Christian's life than for us to simply say, I quit. For the Christian, that should not be in our vocabulary. Amen? Amen? Now, don't quit on me now. Amen? <laughs> It should not be in a Christian's vocabulary, I quit. Because if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you are told you can. Amen? You are told you can, that you can make a difference. Now, I'm going to tell you, the devil wants, to, wants you to think. He wants you to think that you can do nothing by yourself. Uh, and by yourself you can't. But he wants you to think that nothing you could ever do is going to make a difference. He wants you to think that you're worthless. He wants you to become depressed. And he wants you to think all these things. But Christ says you can. Amen? He says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the power to do all things through Christ, the Christ moving in you, strengthening you, uh, and helping you to do uh, even those things that you would not think that you could. We see as the church is scattered that one Philip goes down to the city of Samaria. They go everywhere preaching in verse 4. Philip goes down to the city of Samaria and preaches Christ to them. Look at verse 6. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. You see, I think God allowed this to take place to move the church out of their comfort zone. The only problem is, and I think God does the same thing with us, he has to move us sometimes out of our comfort zone. The only problem is when he moves us out of our, out of our comfort zone, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. Amen? We don't like to be uncomfortable. But when God moves us out of our comfort zone, it may be that he does so so that we can reach individuals that could not have been otherwise reached. We see the unclean spirits are cast out, crying out with a loud voice in verse 7, coming out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was a great joy in that city because they did not give up. Amen? They continued the fight. They didn't say, I quit. They said, we can by the power and grace of Almighty Christ, Almighty God living in them. I had a chance also to meet another individual this, this past week who was a Jewish man who came to faith, originally from New York City, living down in South Florida. He's actually pastoring a church down there. His name's Kevin. Wonderful man. In fact, I rode with him. Uh, we went to... Uh, to a, to a place where all the class was gathering Thursday night. Wonderful individual. But he shared with me his testimony. He said he came to faith being, he was a Reformed Jewish, Reformed Jew. And he, uh, he, was, uh, he, he thought that Christians were against Jews and, and he thought that, uh, you know, he just was, was opposed to that. He said there was this one woman in high school who kept inviting him to church. And he said that he kept pushing her aside, says, I'm Jewish, you know, I, I don't need that. You know, and she kept inviting him. And he got, he said, by his, by his own testimony, he said he got kind of ugly with the girl. And he said he felt kind of guilty about that. So he went to church with her the next Sunday. 
And then he heard a message that he didn't expect to hear. That God loves us and that he wants to save us. And that Jesus came to die for us, bearing our sins upon his back on the cross. And he said, it wasn't any fancy argument or anything like that. It was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit knocking on his heart's door, understanding, allowing him to understand that there is grace and there is mercy, that God loves us and wants to save us, and that if he didn't receive the grace of Christ, he was on a destination that would not be good. And so he came down and he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Now understand, when we receive Jesus in, most, in many places, there's a lot of celebration. But for a Jewish man to do that, it's, it's, trouble, it's, it's troublesome. And I'll tell you why. Because there are family members who will shun you if you're of the Jewish faith, who will shun you if you receive Jesus of Nazareth. He, had, he, said, he said, shared with me that uh, he had an individual who actually went through, a, his, I can't remember if his grandfather or uncle, who went through the Holocaust. And so he said it was heartbreaking to see this, this family member, anytime he walked by, just turn their head and not even acknowledge him. But he said God did a move. And he said he has more family members that he's praying for. But he said God did a move in his mother's life where his mother, a Jewish woman, also came to faith because he continued. He didn't give up, and it would have been easy for him to do that, especially when you have everybody shunning you for, for your faith and your commitment in Jesus Christ. His mother received Christ, and he's praying. He said, I'm praying I have other family members I want to see come to Christ as well. He didn't give up. Amen? He didn't throw in the hat and say, I quit, it's too hard, I give up on this. He continued, he continued to press on because of the Holy Spirit moving and living and breathing within his heart and his life. You know, there's a saying that goes, when the times get tough, the tough get going. But I think we should say, when times get tough, the believers continue praying. Because if we continue praying and, and calling upon the name of the Lord, God will give us the power to do anything that, that, that He allows us to do. He'll give us the power to make a difference in this world, a difference that we never thought we could ever make. Christ will allow us to have that power. He will empower us and help us and guide us. But it won't happen if we throw up our hands when times get tough and say we quit. Amen? Amen? It only happens if we continue to trust Him, continue to walk with Him, and have faith and trust in Him. Let me close with this. I was talking about that uh, young lady from, from Syria, and she was talking about reaching individuals of other faiths for Christ. She, she, she mentioned five things that uh, she, she said that we need to consider. She said, number one, don't start off talking politics. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Don't go up to a Muslim person and start talking politics because you're just going to lose. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you're going to lose. Don't start with a conversation on that. She said, number two, pray for them. Pray for that individual. While you're talking with that person, while you're, while you're meeting with that person, pray for that person. Number three, actually listen to them. In fact, we were talking about this past week. You know, we were talking about uh, how unbelievers see us Christians. And uh, the, the professor mentioned that a lot, of, uh, a lot of unbelievers think that we don't listen to them. That we need to stop talking so much and start listening a little more. Amen? I think there's good advice in that. We need to stop talking so much and start listening some more. Number four, love them unconditionally. Oh, how we need that in our day and time. Amen?
wouldn't our society be a whole lot better if we stopped being so aggressive and really truly loved other people that's around us? And number five, she says, put the kingdom of God first. I think that's so well said. Put God's kingdom first and understand that the kingdom of God reigns above anything else that exists. Amen. I think it's the most important thing we have is to be a citizen of God's kingdom. You see, we can make a difference, but we have to put Christ first in our lives. Times are going to get tough, folks, and I believe you me, I believe the book of Revelation is true. It's going to get tougher as times go along, as time moves forward. But we have a power within us, the power of the Holy Spirit, that will help us do some great things for Him. But we have to have, we have to care for individuals despite even if we're cursed. Someone says something bad about you, you know what? Get over it. <laughs> Amen? People said bad things about Jesus. Did he wear that chip on his shoulder? He said, well, you, talk, you talking to me? You talking to me? You really you want, you want a piece of this? Jesus didn't do that, did he? He didn't go around talking like that. <laughs> Amen? He didn't talk like that. That's not the way Jesus did it. He cared despite being cursed. He had the courage to pray just think about the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed to the Lord despite the fact that he knew that he was going to be condemned. And Christ continued all the way through the mission of the cross despite being crushed. May we as Christians have that type of courage to continue to have courage even when we're under fire. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to come down and receive Him before it's eternally too late. I'm not going to stand up here and promise you that everything in life's going to be hunky-dory. I am going to tell you that you have a power, you'll have a power within you that'll help you to make to go through, to make it through anything that you face in life that you can't do on your own. You know, you don't have to go through this life by yourself. You have the power of Christ right there. You have Jesus Christ calling unto you, knocking on your heart's door, inviting you into a relationship with Him. So if you're here today and you've never made that faith commitment, may I encourage you to come and receive Him before it's eternally too late. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've been going through the ringer. Maybe you've had a lot of things taking place in your life and maybe you just need to lay them at the altar. You just need to lay them at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I can't handle these things, but I know that you can. Will you please take these things from my life? Take these things from my life and I'll let you handle this. Maybe you have someone you want to pray for. Maybe you have something going on in your life and you say, Lord, I, I can't change this person, but I know that you can. We encourage you to pray for that individual today. Or maybe you'd like to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, we just encourage you to come as the Spirit calls. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your love and your compassion. And Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would melt our hearts before your sovereign grace. Lord, any hardness that we may have in our hearts, that we would soften our hearts, that we would be moldable and bendable towards your spirit, that our hearts would incline towards you, that you would make us into your image. So, Lord, I don't know what every person's dealing with here today, but we just ask, Lord, that you would just reach out and let each and every person in this place today know how much you love them, how much you care for them, Lord, and to let them know that they don't have to walk this life by themselves. They have you that they can call upon. They have you that help them and can make a difference in this world. 
do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. In his lifetime, Charles Spurgeon preached to over 10 million people, and his sermons have been changing millions more ever since. The CSB Spurgeon Study Bible weaves thousands of his words, notes, and excerpts into a rich daily study experience designed to bring to life the words of Charles Spurgeon alongside the words he loved and cherished his entire life. No one would be more surprised than Spurgeon to discover such a thing as the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible. And yet I think he would be both surprised and delighted. I would say that Spurgeon, as much as any preacher of an earlier era, has impacted my pastoral ministry. Not in terms of the actual content itself, as much as the approach to scripture, as it were, on his knees. It's a material that has stood the test of time. And so for it to be encapsulated in this one form uh, is, is just a terrific resource. And I think that what it's going to do is broaden the understanding of the Bible and at the same time give to people an understanding of Spurgeon. With a rich and beautiful design, the Spurgeon Study Bible introduces readers to the insights and wisdom of Spurgeon as a pastoral guide through the Bible that includes his writings, journal entries, lost sermons, and resources not available anywhere else. For someone who's barely heard the name Spurgeon and perhaps has never even read anything that he wrote, the study Bible is going to be a revelation. Right there, page by page, book by book, they are introduced to Spurgeon at his very best. One of the things that will be immediately attractive to them is the fact that they will see Spurgeon's own handwriting within the prints of the Bible. So that not only did they have his comments, but they have his comments as they were originally written down. It is immediately appealing to the eye, as well as you know, rewarding to the mind. For the student of uh, scripture and the lover of Spurgeon, it's a treasure trove. Throughout his life, Spurgeon gave himself to knowing, loving, and proclaiming the truth of Christ. Each edit and inclusion in the CSB Spurgeon Study Bible follows this passion, that every reader might get into the very heart of the Word of God. 
There's a certain element in this study Bible that causes the reader to feel almost that they are inhabiting the time of Spurgeon himself. It's clearly all about the one whom he longs to preach and proclaim. This is the great value that is to be found in the material. I hope that this study Bible is going to introduce a whole new group of people to Spurgeon himself and to the influence that he had, and that because the heart of man is the same no matter where he finds himself or she finds herself. And Spurgeon's timeliness, indeed his timelessness, is that. Experience God's Word and the legacy of Charles Spurgeon. To find out more, visit csbspurgeonstudybible.com. first wrote evidence that demands a verdict. Truth wasn't so much an issue as what is truth, can you know truth, but now it is. Some of the issues are different because of the internet, like the claim that Jesus doesn't even exist. Are there other gospels that should have been in the Bible? Is Christianity just a copycat religion? So when we updated this, because I hear it from students so often, I thought we have to have the single best chapter that responds to this claim, and I think we do. We had to rewrite Evidence Demands a Verdict because there's so much new evidence out there. It's like one Greek scholar said, the evidence now for the scriptures is like a tsunami, an avalanche that is hitting, and we want you to be aware of that. We want every young person, every student, every pastor, every professor to be aware of the new evidence out there, to understand not just what they believe, but why they believe it. Evidence that demands a verdict. On sale everywhere, October 3rd, 2017. Go to hashtag true evidence.